So what we do each week together is we open God's Word, and we look to it, and we seek to learn from it. We do that when we're singing and when we're praying. That's what this entire hour is about. So if you happen to be unfamiliar with why or what we do during these gatherings, that's it. And we believe there is power there. We believe that Jesus is actually alive in these pages and speaks to us from them and from all of creation. So if you'll turn with me to Luke 24, if you haven't been with us over the last few months, we have been traveling through Luke and it has been a joy to do so. And we will continue to actually for the next few weeks. And I hope you'll join us for those weeks as we look uh, at a couple of the story. Well, one story in particular after Jesus's resurrection from Luke about the road to Emmaus. But today we are looking at our best story in a world full of good stories. This is the story that makes all other stories good. And we need some good stories right now. So if you look into Luke 24 with me, we'll be reading from the first 12 verses this morning. The text reads, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they, they went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Verse 9, returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them. And they did not believe. The women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths. So he went away amazed at what had happened. May God add God's blessing to the reading of God's word. You know, the world might ask us this morning why it is that we have gathered here together, why it is that we love this story, why it is that we tell this story, why it is that we, too, are looking for the living among the dead. But every year we gather and we talk about this story, we celebrate this story together. But the world has a point. People don't, as a rule, rise from the dead, right? And this year, we're still jousting with this virus that has caused this pandemic that has turned our world upside down, over a half million people dead in our country alone, and none of those are coming back. 
right? Hey, I'd love to have one more conversation with my grandmother, Ann Owen, a saint. I would love to sit with her in her living room this afternoon with a steaming cup of friendship tea that I still have her recipe for and I keep in my house mixed at all times. But ovarian cancer took grandma nearly five years ago now. And there's not going to be a cup of tea with grandma this afternoon. As much as I would love to tell her all about the last five years. But for me to expect that would be for me to be looking for the living among the dead. So the Easter story itself, because I've been in this role, you know, preaching, teaching for some time now, or perhaps you've been in your role, teaching in certain ways or proclaiming the gospel in ways that you do and serve in the church or just telling your good your neighbors in good gospel conversations or whether it's just showing up a few times a year to remember the story. Maybe this story feels all too familiar to us all this morning. Maybe we're a little numb to how unbelievable it really is that people don't come back to life. People don't just rise from the dead. And that's where our text begins this morning. The women show up at the tomb with the burial spices. Now, these are the same women who were at the cross when Jesus dies, the only ones that stuck with him all the way to the end. So naturally, they are up very early the next morning, our text tells us, and they have gone to the tomb with the spices to tend to Jesus's body, to care for the body of their Lord, their friend, and to bring the spices to, to, to care for his body shows that they believe that he's dead. That is how to properly show respect to the dead with care. And Luke's gospel has shown us that Jesus is beloved. All along the way, Jesus, it was pretty easy for him to rile up a crowd, to get people excited with his teachings and with his healings. He was beloved. Now, yes, this belovedness, this, this riling up, it got him crossways with the Roman authorities and with the Jewish religious leaders. And to be crossways with them ultimately rendered him their prisoner and they beat him and they killed him. That's where it left him. But he was beloved. Luke has explained this to us. So for the women to come with the embalming spices to take care of his body, it makes sense and it reinforces that they understood they knew he was dead. They were looking for the dead among the dead. And what they find? They found that the stone was rolled away. So right upon getting there, they're met with surprise. Now, I remember learning as a kid that it was incredible that the stone was rolled away because this is the heaviest stone that's ever been. And, and that, that, I, I believe that. It was a big stone. But the women expected to get in and care for Jesus' body. So the fact that the stone was rolled away wouldn't have been terribly shocking. What may have been shocking was that somebody had beaten them there at such an early hour. That could have been shocking. 
And so they're thinking, well, who's gotten here first? What's going on? And then they get to the tomb and they go in, the text tells us. And what do they find? Nothing. That's what was shocking. Jesus' body was no longer in there. And then two men are standing there all of a sudden, the text tells us, and they are shining, dazzling clothes. And it's these men that ask us our question this morning. Consider this question with me. Consider that the women were asked this question. Ruminate on this question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And they tell the women, he's not here. He's risen. Nobody's stolen his body. Nobody's taken his dead body away. He's not here because he is risen. What? Remember, people don't come back to life. And therein lies our question this morning. So you happened into this place this morning. I'm so glad you did. You happened upon our live stream this morning. You're here. And that's all I have for you is this word. My clothes aren't shining. I'm not dazzling, but I have this word for us all. And the word is resurrection. And that word is the claim that dead things don't always, they may not always stay dead. Now, this story would have been more believable to the women if Jesus himself had been there at the tomb, but he wasn't. There were two men that we understand to be angels that were there instead. It would have been helpful for the women if Jesus had been there himself. And you know what? This would be an infinitely better sermon if Jesus were here with us this morning to take us to be with him for the rest of forever. No more COVID. No more cancer. No more war. No more polarized politics, please. No more segregation in our neighborhoods or in our lunchrooms. No more death. But it wasn't Jesus who appeared dazzling. It was those who had the word about them, about him being alive. And they asked why the women were looking for the living among the dead. And then the men asked another question. They asked the women to recall what Jesus had told them. All along the way, back in Luke 9, 21 and 22, in Luke 9, 44, in Luke 18, 31 through 33, Jesus said it over and over again. It's the very words that he says right here in verse 7. It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise on the third day. The two men are testifying to exactly what Jesus tried to get them to see over and over again. And then there is this incredibly important detail, I believe, that Luke sneaks in here after the men testify to what Jesus had told them over and over again. It says the women, what? They remembered. They remembered Jesus's words. Remember Jesus's words to to remember Jesus's words, to, to remember Jesus's promises, to believe them, to count on them, to trust them. That is faith. And I often think of faith as being very linear. And here's what I mean by that. That we go from, from the promises of God to, to love us and, and to save us. And then, and then we, we go then to trusting that that promise is fulfilled and that we are saved. We hear the promise. 
We believe the promise. We're saved. But faith sometimes works the other way. I believe it often does. It goes from fulfillment to promise. Now, our salvation is there. That doesn't change. Our salvation is always there because it is in Jesus alone. We just sang that so well, by the way. But we do forget. We lose our way. We doubt sometimes. I do. There was a young man. He and his wife just welcomed their first child. Beautiful baby girl. And she was healthy and they were well. And the young man was so close with his father. And this was the first grandchild for his father. And they were so excited. And then they got the news from the doctor that the grandfather scans were really bad. And it might be quick. And four weeks later, he was dead. And his son was devastated, heartbroken, sad, angry. Why, God? Why would you take my dad? He was in his mid-50s. He had so much life to live. He was doing so much good. This makes no sense. So the young man, the new father, stops praying. He, he stops worshiping with his church. He, he doesn't want anything to do with God. But then he hears a song. And he hears in this song words that he learned many years ago. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, oh, he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. And in being reminded these words, he remembers learning them. He remembers when he first trusted them. He remembers. And his unbelief is challenged. He remembers the promise. He remembers the promise that It's not that we won't die. We will. All of us. Many of us much sooner than we think is fair. But to remember as this young man did, to remember as the women did here at the tomb is to realize that death is not final. And that in Jesus, it is life. It is life that gets The last word. But many of us this morning are still looking for life among death. 
We are still looking for fulfillment in things that cannot, we're never meant to bring fulfillment. Some of us are looking for life in the things that won't bring it. Relationships, our work, our family, hobbies. Maybe we're looking for life in how others may view us and our reputation. And to look for life in places that cannot bring life can devolve very quickly into nasty patterns of living that do lead to death far too quickly. And in some of us, we're trying to please God. We're trying to please God with our good works, with our correct beliefs. I've got a lifetime of doing this, y'all. I understand this really well. We open our Bibles and, and we look for the right formula. Sometimes we look for, for what will justify what we have already decided that it is that we believe. We, we search for the, the least path of resistance to attain our salvation. It's not the way to use this book. It's not the way to use God's words. I, I, I'm drawn so often to Eugene Peterson's contemporary rendering of the Bible, the late Eugene Peterson. In, in, in John chapter 5, verses 39 through 40, the great reverend translated it this way. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. That was me for so long. These scriptures are all about me, Jesus says. And here I am standing right before you. And you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. He is our life. We must be pointed to and point one another to him. That's what the women were doing. They didn't understand it yet, but they ran to communicate what they had learned, what they had heard. So our story ends with Peter and the disciples getting the news from the women. And verse 11 is harrowing, but it's in there. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Because dead things stay dead, they understood. But at least Peter thinks to himself, I'm going to go there. I'm going to run down there and see. And he does. He runs down and sees. And, and, and what he finds is, is commensurate with what the women had reported. And Peter, bless his heart, he's not convinced right away. The text doesn't say he leaves with belief. He leaves amazed. Even for Peter, fulfillment seems to precede his remembering the promise. But the women, Peter, they're not going to find Jesus at the tomb because he was gone. He had risen. Now, fast forward to today. We're not either. We've got to know where to look for him. I want us to be looking strategically, be, be, be pointing people to him strategically. We must be looking in the right place. We don't want to miss the forest for the trees. Jesus rose from the dead. And scripture teaches us soon thereafter, he appeared to many people for a period of 40 days. And then he was 
taken to be with God the Father. But Jesus didn't take us with him at that time, not yet. In fact, earth, the Bible teaches that earth is where Jesus will return and build out the kingdom here. Did you know that? I don't believe you're going to be whisked away to heaven. No harps on clouds for all eternity. That never sounded that good to me anyway. So what does this mean for us today? No offense to harp harpist. That is a beautiful instrument, by the way. What does this mean for us today? It means that our lives matter a great deal. Life, our actual existence, it matters so much. The women were asked why it is they were looking for the living among the dead. Church, we have to be the place where people can find the living among the dead, where people can find life, where people can remember You see, the fulfillment of God's promises, that has been taken care of. Do you know that this morning? That happened in the death and in the resurrection of Jesus. All is ultimately going to be well. But people, we have to remember to believe this promise. And we do so by committing to following and being formed by Jesus. Now, some of us understand following and being formed like this. I obey. I do what God is asking me to do, and then I will be rewarded. If I keep my promises to God, I live like God wants me to live, then God will accept me. That is not what the gospel says. The gospel says this, I'm enough. I am accepted. I am not now, nor will I ever be alone. Therefore... I'll obey you, Lord. I will keep my promises. I will live to please you, Lord, because God loves me. You see, there's nothing you can say or believe that can make God love you more or less than God already does. Yes, Jesus died. The cross ate him up. He was abandoned, left for dead, buried. And we live in a world where we are all from time to time, if not most of the time, going through hell. I believe it's a miracle we're all able to function this morning after what we've been through. But if the testimony of these dazzling men, these angels, is true, If it's correct, then Jesus is alive. And we too get to be alive forever. But you know, forever includes now. Have you ever thought about it like that? That eternal life is now? Dallas Willard says it this way. The gospel is less about how to get into the kingdom of heaven after you die and more about how to live in the kingdom of heaven before you die. See, our lives matter so much. Jesus did not take us with him to be with his father. So what can we deduce from that? Well, we are right where we need to be here, fully alive, 
because of Jesus who is fully alive. And that is the only perspective I'm here to testify to you this morning that can get us through that which we all slog through. That truth, that hope. You see, Peter and his disciples were slow to believe, and sometimes we are as well, but they did come around. Go read Luke's account in the book of Acts. They did come around. They, them and many others, they were not always looking for the living among the dead. They eventually stopped looking for the living among the dead, and they started proclaiming Jesus, who is alive to the dead, and so must we. We have to proclaim this. We have to tell this story about resurrection because I'm here to tell you that dead things do not always stay dead. Let's pray.